Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. of Lenin leads us to freedom. <laughs> well, we gotta talk about the thing that bored me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Official so, stance so, of the podcast is boring! The official stance of the podcast is that New York has finally invaded New Jersey. A the, thing that marlo has been talking about since as long as I've known him. The official stance of me is, unlike Hassan, I will never admit I'm wrong. <laughs> and then become kind of annoying. Him and everyone else. I didn't even do Chapo's like, later week. No, 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 not yeah. Chapo, but uh, the Mark Ames, the guy that was on True Anon. Okay. The, you know. Yeah, well, okay, so um, Russia invaded the Ukraine and we're all aware of this. We are recording, when is it? It is... February 27th, 2022. It's Pisces season, everyone. Yeah. I am just like amazed that people are like so invested. Yeah. The dogs are invested. The dogs. Notorious pacifists. Well, my dogs. Well, I think one of them is a pacifist and the other is extremely pro The other one wants the Azov Battalion to slay the Muslim horde from the Chechen division. See, my house is a divided one. My uh, male cat is extremely pro-Putin. He walks around slandering NATO any chance he can get. Buddy is just all out for Putin. But well, Yeah, Buddy, I think, kept bringing up uh, Serbia in 1999. Buddy, uh, <laughs> buddy, very specifically well, uh, critical of NATO on these grounds. He was talking about genocide in the Donetsk and the... Yeah, buddy uh, strongly denies the Srebrenica massacre. <laughs> But, wait, why wait, why would I hold on. <laughs> it's hard to keep it straight. But uh, but Kamira keeps saying to Buddy, you know, supporting another imperialism doesn't make you anti imperialist and she's you know, how can you be contradictory? How can you wave a flag. And, you know, and every time she period. says every time she says that, Buddy jumps from the cat tower onto her and just attacks her viciously. So This is why we don't let cats vote. <laughs> They have lulls, but it's a house divided, and they keep trying to gain my affection by coming up to me and purring, and I just have to balance the two, these opposing interests that divides our house. Yeah, so it happened, the thing that we said wasn't going to happen a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, I can't believe people are like immediately invested and 
I mean, this is just fulfilling a lot of people. We also just watched Saturday Night Live, if you want context to Bunny's confusion. Yeah, oh God. So Saturday Night Live uh, this week with new dad, John Mulaney, opened with no jokes, just a performance of a a Ukrainian choir. Singing a song, I assume, about chasing Jews. So just, to me, it was like, wow, we're already doing this passion play like I, I just feel like a lot of people were eager for, for either for war or for their like fantasy of Russia being the big bad aggressor to be finally like fulfilled so they, it doesn't matter what happens from here in their minds like Russia bad and if you say otherwise or give them any justification then you're being paid directly by Putin and right now we're getting our Putin bucks. This is a uh, no. Don't clip that out of context, please, dear. <laughs> then wouldn't it be funny if Putin sent us money? It would really make America so mad. <laughs> Vladimir, President Putin. Putin, money me, money now, money me now. Money when? <laughs> uh, I tell you what would really get back at the United States is giving the three of us cash money. Uh, that goes for like pretty much anybody who's got a beef with what? the United States. Also, friends of the United States, uh, a way to save this country is also to give us money, ironically. Sometimes cure is also the poison. <laughs> Mr. Poon, I've been watching RT for the last 72 hours and it's been on 24 hours a day and I am fully invested in the crimes that were committed against the Russian people in, in the areas of Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Mr. Putin, between the years 2014 and 2017, RT has hired the weirdest fucking people off YouTube. As such, I think you should hire us. We are at least as good as Caleb Malpin or that guy who worked for, I think, Rebel News or some shit like that. I don't remember, but he works for RT now. Let us work for RT. Yeah, Caleb Malpin. We uh, met him once. I met him like three-ish times, I think, now. I mean, like, just like be, said, hi, Caleb Malpin. And he's like, oh, you're a fan. And I'm like, yeah, I see your YouTube, dude. And, uh, you know. Yeah, he's a guy in New York. He's friends with the weirdest people in DSA. But uh, He's also a ginger, so there's ginger solidarity. But anyway, Mr. Putin, I respect uh, your media strategy of picking off the weirdest niche people in weird boutique left political spaces on very strange corners of the internet, and I think you should keep doing that. <laughs> All right. Um, well, speaking of which, let's somehow transition into the first part of this podcast, which is why are they doing this? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, why would Russia do this? Why could they? I mean, they're bad. Ukraine. Why would good. Russia do the thing they've been saying they were going to do for more or less? Yeah. Or, since at least. <laughs> right. The thing that they said, like, here's our non-negotiable sticking points that we'll negotiate on. By non-negotiable, we just mean these are, like, really important to us, but, like, please talk to us about this uh, for about eight years now. Well, Marlo, what are Russia's motivations for this current 
Um, uh, so Rush's demand since like 2014-ish, yes. Um, since the Maidan revolution, right, yes. which the- if anybody doesn't know was a right-wing coup of the Ukrainian. I mean, you don't even need to believe that. Like, there was I mean, a change of government. There was a change of government after a large protest occurred that involved questionable use of violence by either both sides or by one side in two different sets of clothes. And then uh, Parliament withdrew all support from the president and there was a forced resignation and a new government came in which uh, adopted a new constitution. And allegedly the prior government was dictatorial, unsupported by anything but the most clearly sham elections and supported by Russia and has a generally Rusefielic outlook and set the economy and diplomacy of the Ukraine to be (laughs) geared towards doing business with Russia. And the new government is a more Europhilic uh, government that wants to orient itself towards NATO and the West and the EU. Not only that, but they enshrined it in the Constitution. They did, in fact, enshrine in the Constitution. That part of the national project was to join NATO in the coming years. Well, okay, so Russia's first sticking point is under no circumstance can the Ukraine join NATO. Essentially, it's saying it doesn't need to be oriented towards Russia, but it needs at least a formal neutrality. And additionally, under no circumstances can NATO bases or missile platforms be set up in Ukraine, which is essentially the sticking point number one. This is due to you know, a general assessment of Russian geographical defensiveness, which often acknowledges some weakness if you come through Ukraine and they don't want it to join a faction that is essentially aligned to counter interests. And this has happened before it happened with Georgia in 2008. Georgia and Ukraine was called out by George W. Bush as potential nations that he wanted to see join NATO, and then Georgia tried to join NATO, and Russia invaded them. And uh, then they stopped trying to join NATO, and they installed a new government. Okay, so this is uh, issue number one. Issue number two is when uh, the changing government happened, even if one was to grant that the government was not actually supported by a democratic majority, there was at the very least a very large minority that is very regionally situated that did support the government. And those regions uh, immediately saw services cut. They also saw an encroachment of right-wing laws uh, restricting the use of the Russian language. They also saw a change in the constitutional federal structure that uh, made power more centralized and cut off regional home rule. And as a result, parts of those areas uh, started a civil war that for the last eight years has led to very well-documented humanitarian abuses, a refugee situation that has mostly been dealt with by Russia, 
and I mean, general unrest and Russia's other sticking points were essentially a negotiated end to that civil war, namely uh, a restoration of home rule in the way that, you know, the United States, individual states have a sovereignty over their own affairs subject to a defined relation with federal government. But anyway, so that was their other sticking point, which I can't imagine why anyone in the West would have an issue with that. And it should also be notable is... If this was, in fact, just a democratic revolution, why are they so interested in passing these laws that seem especially onerous to certain ethnic groups? Which ones? A large Russian minority in, that exists in eastern Ukraine that was in favor of the old government, even if they're not a majority. And those were, like, Putin's two sticking points, and the West never agreed to even talk to him about any of it. You know, I want to warn, there's other issues at play. Putin has made it very clear he has an insane ethno-pan-Russist uh, Well, I think we'll get theory. into that next. Yeah, but also, ultimately... If Putin didn't invade, there wouldn't be an invasion, and that does bear keeping in mind. I think also there's the gas question. Um, right. Which is, I think, the if we're talking about the material interests of why Ukraine is such a problem for Russia, it's because there was a lot of gas found off the coast of Ukraine in Crimea, and suddenly... They became a competitor for Russia, and eventually they could, you know, start pumping their own gas into the EU instead of relying on Russia. And that, I think, happened in 2012. And during, like, post-Soviet times, the pipelines ran through Ukraine, and Ukraine started jacking the prices up for all of the pipelines to run through their country, so they built all these big pipelines coming from the north going through Finland. And that's what Nord Stream is, is the giant pipelines coming from the Nordic countries to bypass the high cost of going through Ukraine. And so with the Nord Stream, it was a strategic thing to not rely on cooperation with the Ukrainian government and the high prices that they were charging for the pipeline to go through it. And, you know... Now, uh, I was watching the news, and I think they were burning a pipeline yesterday that was going through. I don't know. I heard some story about pipelines. And for those that aren't up to speed, uh, Germany nixed Nord Stream 2 the day after the invasion happened. And that was a big news story. Mm -hmm. Schultz of the Social Democrats is like, nope. Which I think could be reversed, because... Germany kind of needs it. I think it bears repeating that for all the liberal sense of, well, there's violence and violence is bad, there were so many ways to prevent violence on the part of the West and stop ongoing violence in the form of an eight-year civil war that had not really been covered in the West. And any discussion of humanitarian abuses was essentially shuffled over to, well, it's not a genocide like Russia is saying, which, okay, that might be legally true, but 
there are targeted killings of civilians, it's a really brutal civil war. Like uh, 14,000 people died. Yeah. So, you Over know, eight years. And it just, it hasn't seen coverage, and any discussion of it has been conflated as Russian misinformation about quote-unquote genocide, but no discussion of, okay, maybe there isn't genocide, but... and. Within that, like, there's all these pushbacks to uh, Russia's demand. Oh, who is Russia to say Ukraine can or cannot join NATO? Okay, well, that's why this is a negotiation. Like, yeah, no, Russia's asking for Ukraine to do a thing. That's what you do in these situations. And is your goal to make Russia be reasonable or is your goal to prevent violence? Because well, the, the argument I've heard from people is that Russia fueled the civil war or escalated it purposefully to sow chaos and discord in the area. The, the Ukraine empowered unanswerable uh, fascist militias to kill civilians. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Russia also did that. Like, I, again, is your goal to make Russia admit they're wrong or is your goal to stop violence? Like the liberals are saying their goal is to stop violence. Because if your goal was to stop violence, there were ways to do that over the course of eight years and they chose not to. And, yeah, I, I, I don't have much sympathy for, you know, just like, oh, we have to support the Ukrainian people. It's just like, yeah, people are great. We should all hold hands. Um, that's awesome. Some Ukrainian people do not identify with this government. Some Ukrainian people identify more with the Russians. And if your goal really was to help the Ukrainian people you would have negotiated with Russia seven years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of the analysis I'm seeing is missing the, uh, what I'm coming in with, the um, religious uh, dimension to this conflict and um, sort of um, posit it as a pure financial sort of... Uh, Transaction. Situation uh, would involve like just a weird mass conspiracy among among the Orthodox churches that be. Uh, so I learned a couple things that I didn't know actually. Uh, and, trying to, and I think this will this will work in with what Putin said in the speech. So and yeah, what- Marlo mentioned uh, you are absolutely correct. Vladimir Putin sees himself almost as a little neo Vladimir because he does identify with this uh, Rus kingdom. This is also very important in terms of the mythology around. Orthodoxy as it exists within the Russian identity, because that's the figure who converted Russia to Orthodoxy. You know, so this is a story independent of the other Orthodox churches, uh, meaning the Greek ones and etc. So, three hundred years ago, while um, the Ottoman Empire was still doing its thing, the Patriarchate that's in Constantinople was still operating, but significantly weakened due to the Ottoman Empire. So the patriarchate in Moscow is um, flourishing at, at this at this time. And um, what's known as the ecumenical patriarch, which is the one in Constantinople, gives permission to the, the patriarch of Moscow 
sorry, that's a secondary patriarch in the hierarchy mm. of patriarchs, gives him permission to essentially like ordain a Ukrainian uh, branch of the same tree, essentially, of the Orthodox Church, right? But then what happens is the Moscow patriarch is like, oh, this is a permanent permission that you've given us. Uh, we permanently have uh, the territory of Ukraine under our flock. And the ecumenical patriarch is like, no, it was supposed to be temporary. <laughs> so there was already this kind of like longstanding conflict and this sort of uh, ownership that the Russian patriarchate saw over Ukraine. And uh, mm. that has manifested today. Uh, Pre-2018, it was the, the Russian Orthodox Church under their umbrella very directly included Ukrainians and Belarusians. I have a quote that uh, he, he wrote right here. Okay, yeah. That's uh, that paragraph in the middle. Oh, yes. So this is it. Yeah, this is exactly it. He says, Russians, Ukrainians, and Belarusians are all descendants of ancient Rus, which was the largest state in Europe, Slavic and other tribes across the vast territory. This is also coming, comes into play, this uh, Slavic unified land. Yes. Uh, Lagoda, Novgorod, <laughs> and Pskov to Kiev and Chernigov. We're bound together by one language, which we now refer to as Old Russian. Economic ties in the rule of the princes of the Rurik dynasty. And after the baptism of Rus, the Orthodox faith. The spiritual choice made by St. Vladimir. She just crossed herself. Uh, who was both Prince of Novgorod and Grand Prince of Kiev still largely determines our affinity today. I don't even know if Vladimir is one of, if we like, I mean, is he one of our saints? I guess he would be because I guess he converted that. I don't know. We never talk about him in the Greeks, but yes. By the way, citations are, that was from Vladimir Putin's essay called On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians. So this is something he's argued that it it was uh, part of his uh, justification for sanctioning Crimea as a sacred holy land uh, to this specific Russian Orthodox ancient Rus narrative. Which, for the record, very stupid. However, annexing Crimea because it's like 95% Russian and they all literally did not want to be under the new government was fine. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what I didn't know... uh, before is that in 2018 uh, Ukraine gets permission from the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople to establish their own independent sect independent of Moscow Mm. so of course Putin and the Russian patriarchate see this as an affront a stealing of like a you know a huge chunk of the flock and basically decided to do another schism i didn't realize this where they said we no longer are cross eucharistic with the greek orthodox oh jeez so as of 2018 i am not supposed to take communion as i always was trying to do in the russian orthodox <laughs> church so yeah, uh, we can't we can't do each other's sacraments. But um, I did not know that particular thing. So um, that was interesting to me, uh, which 
also is interesting given Putin's buddyship with Erdogan. Uh, <laughs> so- somewhat buddyship because they're in NATO. Well, Turkey yeah. is in NATO. Well, well, yes, we're talking been. about the Black Sea, and if you don't know, yeah, give some context for that. Don't know. Crimea's right in the middle. You got Ukraine. You got Bulgaria. You got Turkey. You know the Black Sea, where the Amazons were, and myth, not in Wonder Woman, where Iphigenia was brought to be sacrificed before they went to Troy. You guys know it. Georgia is what the fuck I was trying to think of. Georgia. and uh, on my mind. That Georgia. (laughs) Georgia. But uh, also another aspect that is religious is uh, Vladimir Putin is speaking to this uh, very specific, within the Orthodox world, this Rus identity thing. But then also there's this call for like a pan-Orthodox unity. What would that look like? So, but I I just want to point out that that was also something that was called for by, you might know this guy, Slobodan Milosevic. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, you got to be careful. Uh, So, so this sort of pan-Orthodox unity, which often involves activating old... Mythology. Ideas about Muslims and who was killing whose grandfather back a couple generations ago or whatever who's genociding whom is is, uh yeah so i mean these conflicts are pretty well established within and among the the orthodox world so i do find it kind of funny that it's very minimized in any media we're the only any media that's we're (laughs) the only ones talking about this right now um (laughs) it's just yes um, so I do think that's interesting. Also, just the idea that, oh, like, oh, Vladimir Putin, he's so fucking evil, man. He just is over there yeah. touching his dick about oh, he's going to be mean to Ukraine. And like, as if there isn't a history. Yes. It's outside of and the I history. Find, and I find that this is very common for this stuff that happens in this part of the world, uh, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, uh, et cetera. Like there's this weird sort of, just how many people are calling Russia like a communist country well, right any now? Like, to contextualize, is that the last story they heard about Russia? Any attempt to contextualize what's happening in any form other than this is occurring because Putin personally wanted to is... Yeah, it's almost on a level of like, oh, are you blaming the victim? And it's like, no, that that's not the conversation we're having, and that's the fucking insane thing to say. But I think that that there is some very personal stuff going on between Vladimir Putin and particularly Joe Biden. Ultimately, if Putin chose not to invade, then yes, an invasion would not be happening. That's... Sure, that's but, true, and it's bad that Putin chose to invade. Okay, so... But he did, and that's not useful. <laughs> like, So I think we have pretty good historical context. Fall of the Soviet Union, Putin comes to power in, what, 1999, 2000? He wanted to join NATO back then. That was kind of a goal. Back to him in a speech. Yeah, and then... I Bill want Cl- to join your NATO. Bill Clinton was like, but yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah, we'll work on that, Vlad. <laughs> They really didn't want NATO to expand east. 
And then Clinton left me on red. Yes, we were already texting like that then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Soviet Union broke up and it created a bunch of new countries that Russia was very cool about not trying to reconquer or and was very okay with recognizing diplomatically. But it did not want to invite the West up to its borders now. And it was very clear on that. Well, and I think with Ukraine specifically, it's like fine that the Ukraine was existing as it was until it was trying to establish this independent identity that was beyond, you know, sort of... The Soviet... The on paper. The, uh, the satellite nation, are you saying? Like yeah, the, I'm saying, like, one, I feel like once the this religious element became more of a big deal, it's about a bigger story than just whatever. And I, like, I, I you know, you can, I guess, say, like, oh, that's just a justification or whatever, but... I mean, there's all these people have to do. Okay, uh, I'm saying this all. What do you think is going on over there, guys? Okay, you, uh, you touched on one thing that I want to get to before we get to present day. But Vladimir Putin, communism. Everyone seems to think he's a communist. Everyone is convinced by it. There's senators coming out. There's all these American politicians coming out saying he's a communist, that by supporting Russia, you're supporting communism. Or like, do socialists see this? Yeah. Like, this like, is like, what and happens. it's just like, what, what are you talking about? What is particular, like, what could even be argued as being socialist about this? But that's why I want to bring up his speech again. And that sort of brings us to the speech again, which I think will be looked back on. That speech, he was angry. He was bitter. He blamed a lot of people for what had happened unjustly to Russia that everybody's dis dismissing like they've dismissed for the last eight years, for the last 14 years, but he brings up communism pretty unfavorably for the whole time and blames Lenin for the sovereignty of Ukraine and says that, I think the translation was that Ukraine is an invention of Vladimir Lenin. So I thought maybe Marlo could probably speak I mean, on that. Yeah, like, okay, so in the sense that Yes, under Lenin, in agreeing to the brest whatever treaty. The Treaty of Brests. Uh, he basically did agree to a weird independent Ukraine, you know, and also tried to conceptualize that on his general idea of, like, nations have the right to self-determination, so it really wasn't a loss for him after all. Okay, so fundamentally... Ukraine's national borders were determined by what the, you know, Socialist Republic of Ukraine, which was a a state in the Soviet Union in the same way New Jersey is a state in the United States, you know, what its borders were at the breakup of the Soviet Union, which had been shifted around multiple times in the last 20th century under a general attitude of, well, ultimately this doesn't matter because it's all a part of the Soviet Union. It's not like this is determining the national borders of a sovereign nation. So, yeah, in the sense that uh, Ukraine, as a current political entity, came out of the Soviet Union, that is true. In his like broader sense of 
the Ukrainians are an invented people, that's kind of stupid and also meaningless. And also nations are a made up thing anyway. And you shouldn't try and divine some weird, oh, there was a tribe that lived along this river bullshit as a rule. Oh my God, but that's all people talk about right. in like, like, in like uh, the Balkans and like, et cetera, um, you know, but I mean like all people, I, I just want to say that's all people who give a shit about these things would talk about. Right, uh, I, right. I, same with the, the religious stuff. Like I want to emphasize on a, like most people do not know and do not give a fuck about this. Yeah. Even if they go to church all the time, this is like not something that's necessarily being, um, uh, I don't want to give anybody any sort of lofty ideas about the organization and uh, messaging arm of the Orthodox church, no matter what city they're centered in. <laughs> so this is all people uh, who are already like sort of powerful and et cetera for certain reasons negotiating things. So this is not something I, I this is not something that like necessarily people on the ground are being compelled with the difference between the Orthodox the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and the Russian. Like that's not necessarily something that is uh yeah, but when you were talking about uh Putin not being a communist, for anybody who's deluded out there to think that why why would you say that's a a crazy notion? Because you, you were like, that's crazy. I mean... Okay, it's crazy because one, we... Okay, like, we know Russia isn't, like, a bold-faced communist anymore. So, like, okay. So, if you know that, then what about Vladimir Putin says to you, you know, communist? Like, it's just a word association in people's heads. It's... For, look, a generation of fucking brain-dead Gen X people, uh, it's, like, you know, one and the same. And boomers, I know. But, like, you know, there. I feel like there is a special sort of whatever. That I felt like there was a hearkening to the Cold War times mm -hmm. online immediately. Yep. Just because Russia is involved in this conflict. When I'm like, is this, did Russia go into Ukraine and say, like, guess what? The Cold War's back on? Honestly, let me know if I'm missing a huge chunk of information, everyone. <laughs> like, Well, because, I saw uh, also a lot of, uh, of Hitler comparisons, too. Well, uh, okay, I would first preface this by saying I 100% uh, place next to no stock in any notion that ideology uh, drives foreign affairs for the most part. I think the main reasons that the Ukraine is happening is because of very clear strategic uh, considerations that have been developed. I mean, you can go really far back, but have been developed at least since 1991. You know, if you want to listen to Putin and listen to ideologically what he is saying about his whole pan-Russism thing is, yeah, it's a revanchist greater Russia theory that he generally has that uh, they're all one people and Belarus and the Ukraine would be generally better, at least a part of an all-Russian idea that follows Russian leadership, which, you know, it would be very stupid to 
say is like what Hitler thought, but it is yeah, at least it's, nationalist. It's, it's, yeah, it's it, exactly. It's different. <laughs> it's at than, the very least nationalist. It's not very Marxist. It, it's very much con- concerned with what savage caveman drank at what river at some point, and trying to divine out political boundaries from that. But yeah. I, you know, I, I generally would know, say you that. You know what I didn't look up is if there is a sacred magic site with like holy water in these areas. I didn't. I didn't go that far into it. They all I, fucking worship trees. No, I love it when I find out about fucking. Oh, and obviously there's this like magic. It's usually like a spring of some sort, and uh, yeah, like crazy spring is here is usually the thing and then it's associated with some holy miracle and then people are drinking and putting possibly parasite filled water on them uh anyway the the thing that always struck me about you know people calling him a communist and the speech was he blames the communists for this happening yeah he does oh yeah and that's the other thing like you don't even know how vladimir putin feels about communist if you yeah it's so he 100 percent throughout that whole speech and throughout this whole essay that we read a paragraph blames communism for their bad bureaucracy their totalitarianism their ceding land and most especially giving nationalist identity to parts of what used to be the russian empire that in his opinion didn't deserve that national identity or only served to fracture the Russian identity in the long run. It'd be like giving sovereignty to New Jerseyans as like a a New Jersey people who could break off and then establish the kingdom of New Jersey. And then they will like compete with like texas i think is a better example yeah sure sure it would actually be like if america like after the annexation of texas like kind of allowed it to form a much more like separate from the united states government and control its affairs to a much greater extent which which it had for a bit right and then well i mean it was also like a free republic for a year or so but yeah i mean I wouldn't get too lost in the comparisons, but yes, he very much is an anti-communist, very explicitly, and uh, in fact does phrase what he's doing as a correction of communist errors. Yep. I can't believe I didn't think of looking up if they had any sacred springs or saints' relics. Do they have the hand of of a dead... Moscow almost certainly has fucking Saint. Re- they oh, have. Oh, of course they do. I'm saying, it does. It, are there any cool ones in Ukraine? Like uh, they're okay, all over the place because they'll like split a hand up and they'll send a finger bone. Right, right, right. Anyway, I, which I love, guys. Uncritically, I stand. Magical springs. Uh, no, I no no no. I stand the cutting up of holy bodies and uh, keeping it in like a glass case uh, as a holy relic, as as some uh, churches are wont to do. I'm try. I'm like, oh, I bet they have some some severed saint something in Ukraine. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know. Matt, play some pussy riot. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, play some. Uh... 
Play, play, play some Vitas. Play Pussy Riot where they just scream. Like they're in the church. Just play, play the clip of them. Play, play them like screaming like Putin is pussy man over like the worst fucking banging of instruments you've <laughs> ever heard. <laughs> um, like, like, no, seriously, like the Bjork, but not real Bjork, uh, Bjork from like Saturday Night Live, um, Celebrity Jeopardy Bjork, where she's doing that everything is music thing. But they do that and they just scream like Putin is pussy man and then they all go to jail. Play that. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're at present day. You know what I always was thinking about, sort of before we get into this, was the show that we watched to the lake, the Russian show. Mm -hmm. Yes. And how uh, it kind of entwined this orthodox magic with Russian nationalism and Russian exceptionalism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a zombie show. You can go back to the episode um, where we talked about this, but I don't know. It's something about Russia being invaded by zombies and then having to go to a lake and then having... The point of To the Lake is... What if there was a zombie apocalypse? Then your ex-wife and your current wife, who was your mistress, would have to live together. Yeah, that would be awkward. <laughs> but also, it, it, it'd just be like last Easter or every other holiday. But also, we have. the ending of the first season has they all cheat on their wives. The ending of the first season interestingly has a zombie army of Chinese paratrooping into Russia. Yeah. I didn't watch that. <laughs> it was like it was the like the last scene of the last episode was communist China like Oh yeah. bombing into the lake that they are going to. And when they get to Everyone the lake Everyone is going to the lake into the lake. Yeah, to escape the zombies. But they all need to get to the lake. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up cuz man all right, present day. The theatrics of this all going down was... We'll get into the more conspiratorial, wag-the-dog kind of stuff, but... Again, I don't think it's a wag-the-dog conspiracy. I just think there's parallels with how the memes work. Right. But I guess we'll shift back to America. But this all started at a UN Security Council and the gaveling in... And the second that America started speaking, Vladimir Putin comes on the screen in like a split screen moment and starts his speech. And then uh, his second speech where he says he's going to denazify Ukraine and announce the military strike. And then you hear that there is bombing in Kiev. Yeah. Like in the middle of the UN security time synced up to that happening. It was super weird when the giant television screen came down in the middle of the NATO meeting and they're like, what is this? And then the screen came on and it was Vladimir Putin saying, hello NATO. (laughs) (laughs) Hello NATO. I can't, I've never, I 
and I never listened to him talk. And then someone goes, Before this yeah, or it's Vladimir no, Putin. I, I just, I can't even think about it. You know, I'm just going for a general right. Russian thing. And then Macron went, Sacre bleu, it's Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir <laughs> ho, ho, Putin ho, goes, it is I, Vladimir Putin. Same. <laughs> Most indubitiously, Vladimir you'll Putin. find, yeah. you will oh, find yeah. Kiev He's actually Quebecois, which ties in with... Justin Trudeau. I don't know. Justin Trudeau. Whatever Hitler they were calling him. I I don't remember. I can't put it all. How do you people care about this shit? Um, God damn it. But people do care about the the shit. And that's what we're going to get into now is... As you were saying, yeah, you people should not give a shit about any of this. It's all stupid. I, you should be like, where's my money, Joe? Exactly. <laughs> it has split. It has split. Even Canadians. I, I want you to ask Joe Biden for money. <laughs> like social media has just astroturfed an entire Ukrainian nationalist movement. The left, Jerry. It's split. It split the left. <laughs> I, well, yeah, and just all the... <sighs> you start seeing people with Ukrainian flags in their profile pictures. Immediately. Like, even days before, but, you know, it really kicked off the day of where there was just an entire realm of people that just uncritically accepted the narrative, you know, and we'll get into the narratives of this, but this was an assault on democracy, an assault on freedom, and that Ukrainians, heroes, vigilantes, morally unambiguously good people, and Russians, by the way, two people that uh, don't look at all the same and aren't similar in any way, shape, or form. You know, even their governments, totally different in structure, corruption charges, like one side is not corrupt at all, and the other side, completely corrupt. And immediately, this pro-democracy, America stands with its allies, America stands with its NATO allies, very specifically, against this Hitler-like invasion that is only based in irrationality, there's no reason for why he's doing it, and there's no logic to it, he's the the mad hat. The Mad Hat has just gone off again and he's rolling the dice on World War III. And I think there's some of that. Like, it is a gamble. But they're horny, as you said, for World War III to happen. Yeah, it's just like... my whole life, I just feel like it's been, is this going to be it? Is this going to be World War Three? Like, it's, <laughs> fucking, it's never, uh, it never is, it's guys. It's never it. Stop. Um, you're not, your generation isn't going to be the last generation. Yeah. And that's because, not because you of, specifically. Not because of World War. You specifically <laughs> okay. are not that special. No, no, it, we're gonna. The ocean's gonna kill us, <laughs> or, or you know, what's in the ocean, which is what we're not talking about. What's at the bottom of the Black Sea? I will be. <laughs> you know, we what we haven't talked about is possibly the the Hydra and the Charybdis are gonna be activated by this conflict. The, yep. and, um, or the rocks of Sila. Yeah, the the How Ukrainian version it? of Godzilla. Sila, but you know. In English. There's going to be a nuclear strike and it's going to activate the Ukrainian Godzilla that will rise out of the Black Sea and march on Odessa. Oh my God, if Vladimir Putin gets both Dardanelles, he's unstoppable. 
Well, yeah. Okay, so we're in what day five, day six of the invasion. The invasion happened on Tuesday. Was the Security Council? Yeah, four or five. Yeah. I feel like yesterday felt like three. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a blur, and every night you hear this is when Kiev is going to fall. Yeah, this except, is- I mean, now the U.S. media has sort of gotten weirdly triumphal, I feel like. Well, we can talk about that, but there has been, and this links to what we were saying, but there's been a massive propaganda heroism of the Ukrainian people that has gone on. Yeah, it's very Mujahideen. <laughs> it, we watch Red Dawn, and we referenced Rambo in that episode and is just really weird how often we reference that quote at the end of Rambo this film is dedicated to the brave soldiers of the yes this film is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen of Afghanistan I believe Mujahideen Uh, fighters mm -hmm. and that really worked out the last time for us it really hits home for me that all these wars are just like cash grabs and like Generations wanting their own war. Uh, yeah, of heroes. They want their. They want their own know? heroes. They and want their uh, their great men to emerge. We haven't talked about this, but they have one now. They've just. You know, I want they've, to say some controversial. War. It's not only boring. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, what's the strategy? Oh, we this guy. Even when you're talking about like arguably cool ancient war fucking shit of like, oh, they did whatever, still boring. You're really just talking about like wanting to hang out with a bunch of men and that's sus. War. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. It's like guns. People act like this shit is fucking objectively interesting or fun. And it's like, I get on what level shooting shit up could be fun. But like, all right, like, so it's over now. Like, there's not much more to it, everyone. Stop acting like. I think we're going to get to the guns in a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk about Zelensky. Oh, that's right. Um, he's, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Everyone tells me he's Jewish. I don't know why. They they just scream he's a Jew at me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's Jewish. He's the president of U- the Ukraine, or as I like to call it, Little Russia. The m- frontier. Mo- Mosul, Russia. But Zelensky, there's been... A lot of pictures going around of him in fatigues, in army combatant uniform, which ended up being fake. They were taken in like either April or December of last year of him going to the, the border. The ghost of Kiev's fake. The ghost of Kiev is fake as well. Uh, the people who said Russian ship fuck you are probably alive in captivity. Like Black Snake Island or some other. Yeah, no, it, the, the island isn't as cool as the name suggests all this shit's lame as fuck but they're pretending it isn't so yeah western propaganda is going off and it just seems so fake right it seems so so in addition to the ukrainian flags people are in apparently actually donating to the azov battalion's uh patreon which i just have to say don't do that and two if you're a taxpayer you're already crowdfunding the azov battalion so if it's that important to you you're fine 
but don't donate to their Patreon. It is bizarre. Like we mentioned earlier, the SNL singing the Ukrainian choir as though this is a thing like we're all on board with all at once. And, you know, once again, I'm partial to the argument of people are dying. That's bad. We should work towards a world where people die less. But we had multiple chances and were entirely uninterested in that. And now it seems at this point, like I'll cautiously say, I I feel like the peace talks are probably going to just progress to a point where we get a negotiated end. Even then it leaves things in an interesting place because you have these very ideologically driven, very well financed right wing militias who might then break with the government if the government agrees to peace. Could also happen. And we call it the Mujahideen. And when you think about that, the Mujahideen was able to use their resources and training from the United States and move it into countries where they had similar ideological footholds to grab onto, such as Saudi Arabia. And in this case those countries is the United States. We are talking about literal neo-Nazis and there are ideological footholds in the extremes for these resources that we are flooding onto these neo-Nazis to find their way back. That is the other dimension to this. We are the Saudi Arabia to our own (laughs) Afghanistan too. Yep. You can gloat like, oh yeah, this is going to be Russia's Afghanistan again. Or you could remember what happened 20 years after (laughs) Russia's Afghanistan because they're related. And in this case, they're not even going to train overseas. They're going to make allies among homegrown groups in the United States because that's where they have a similar ideological. You know, the 14 words were, were written in fucking English originally, and you see 1488 used by the Azov Battalion. We are their, like, spiritual uh, leaders in many ways. Yeah, and I've been seeing... The tulpa of white supremacy succeeds. And I've been seeing this very concerning thing for me, which is... The dismissal of, you know, Ukraine equals Azov Battalion as a pro-Russian talking point that is immediately dismissed as soon as anybody brings it up. Right, which again... to be fair, Putin did draw attention to the Nazis in Ukraine. Therefore, if you say anything like that... It's a pro-Russia talking point. Which, which again, it's like, if I couldn't be watching CNN for the last eight years and so much have been aware, truly aware that there was a large-scale civil war happening in the Ukraine for eight years, it's hard to really trust them on things. It's hard to be like, well, where is the fucking happy medium between, okay, fine, there isn't a genocide, I guess, but there's suffering okay fine i guess there are you know maybe a non-nazi ukrainian uh, theoretically i could imagine it in my head um but you know where are is the space to talk about the very real very structural nazi problem in the ukraine which even if it's outside of the halls of power 
it is much more active when you have an irregular guerrilla war being fought. That is a space for, you know, one or two percent of the population who feel a certain way about a certain thing to really shine. Today, we were seeing pictures of Africans being denied getting on trains and... Yeah, I'm not I'm sure. I, I, I've also heard the opposite things and uh, I don't feel confident sure. on that one. Yeah, it seems like it could be counter-propaganda. Like maybe it was legitimately a... Yeah, it's hard to get refugees over a border and uh, some people got shuffled to the side and now it's being dealt with. I heard that like the Polish government has actually made a statement they were working with uh, governments in Nigeria and the other sending African nations. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. There's 150,000 refugees that have left already. Yeah, yeah. And that is, again, yes, Russia escalating this into a full-blown war is really bad. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but this time they're white. Yeah, uh, it's a big story about the uh, refugees. Keep, um, okay, yeah, I I keep hearing that on the news, and it's like Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. Uh, also, yeah. the oh my gosh, the this civilized? is the first time there's been a war in Europe since 1995. And I'm like, <laughs> like since, and people since, really are saying since World uh, wait, War II. People no, are really no, saying uh, that. And and when I say 1995, I mean 2008. And when I say 2008, I mean. Well, I guess Nagorno-Karabakh doesn't count. It's West Asia. There, there's been wars in Europe as well. It's happened. Um, yeah, I just thought. But is, what is what that speaks to is the white conceptualization of Europe as well, yeah, as like I've it been, exists in the imagination where when it gets triggered, I, I've, it's revealing. I've been kind of drawing the comparison to uh, the Second Boer War and the like British liberal reaction to it. Which was, it was just like, yeah, the British were pretty brutal towards the Boers, but they've been doing this for a while and you only seem to notice it right now. What has Russia been doing for the last five days? Because that's been kind of sus to me and confusing to a lot of people in the media. And I just wondered. Yeah, apparently the cities are putting up slightly higher of a resistance than probably expected. But also everyone's just guessing at what Russian war plans were in the first place. So who the fuck knows? Right. We don't know <laughs> what the ultimate end game is and they've been surprisingly quiet and you know like what iraq fell in two weeks iraq took three weeks i think i heard i thought yeah baghdad was like three weeks and kabul was a month i'm pretty sure maybe i'm wrong the timeline is unclear to me but the thing that was weird to me is that for the last month they knew this was going to happen. Some people mocked them. Some people took them serious. But they knew this was going to happen. And the general response was to do nothing. Yeah, we didn't even have our super sanctions in place or like we're really clear on what exactly that meant the way you expected. Because again, 
I have been saying we're not ever going to war with Russia. Stop worrying about that. There's not going to be an exchange of nuclear weapons. But you did hear the U.S. had these, like, super sanctions in place that would just immediately go into effect. And then it was like all of a sudden we were like, well, do we want to do this or do we want to do that? And then well, it turned well, into like... in the last episode that we had when we talked about this when we were wrong, there was, like, a British agent who said, you know, in the Manila folder that, you know, there was a war plan for Russia to march on Kiev and it was going to happen and they were going to intercept it and they were warning the world and Biden came out and warned the world. And the response from the Biden administration afterwards was to slap sanctions and then shrug its shoulders. Again, which is we knew that a realist thing to do. We knew that they, we weren't going to send troops into the Ukraine, but again, even the sanctions were kind of light, half-hearted, and it, like we weren't sure how much sanctions we actually wanted to put down now that we're actually putting them in place. And then the SWIFT thing became a new cycle. Yeah, yeah. And now we've landed on, okay, well, we'll just cut SWIFT off for all the things that don't inconvenience the West. And again, it's like, okay. On the other hand, apparently China is also respecting the sanctions. Like, yeah, I think there is actually kind of a need for Russia to get this wrapped up quickly, which is where I'm cautiously saying I think these peace talks are probably just going to lead to some settlement and then who knows what happens after that. So what would you think would be the the end game here if we're doing speculative Uh, um, fiction? Do you have like, is it done in a week? Is it done in a month? Unless something changes really quickly for Russia where China switches sides or they have some more backup. I just feel like, I don't know, it's awkward for them to be in there and it gets worse for them the longer they're in there. Funny. Because I have a theory that I want to... I do like uh, Azov Battalion uh, breakaway uh, insurgency as well, feeling that the uh, Zelensky government betrayed the Ukrainian people. Which they, I think they already made a statement to that effect. Yeah, yeah, when so he announced. See if they put their money where their mouth is. My theory, and tell me if this sounds a little crazy, but I think, what day is it? The 27th? Mm-hmm. Yep. Biden has his State of the Union on Tuesday and my suspicion is that they either they march in and take the Maidan Square and make a statement during his State of the Union that this is what happens to Joe Biden who is the representative of the government that betrayed us eight years ago and they do a big spectacle shock and awe kind of thing, force a peace treaty, force a neutralization and demilitarization of, as they call the Kievian government, and uh, then they kind of withdraw their troops and turn it into Georgia. But I think if you want to maximize a personal grievance against America, you do it during the biggest speech when everybody's watching the TV. Yeah, we'll see what it would, happens. It would fit in with the theater of it all, because this has been very theatrical. Mm-hmm. That would be a week-long thing, and they would accomplish the goals that they set out to. Everyone would hate them. Still, no matter what, everybody's going to hate them. 
Who, Russia? Yeah. You know, well, in the words of Vladimir Everyone Putin. Everyone hates us because we're so sexy. <laughs> in the words of Vladimir Putin, society made me this monster, and now you want to punish me for what you made me. Does that sound like... Yeah, I mean, if they could actually coordinate that. I mean, it's really hard to, like, make a city fall when you want it to. It's just so weird because they've just been hanging out outside the city for every night these last three three or four nights. Yeah, you don't want to do house-to-house urban combat until you really have to. Well... I'm kind of thinking that this is like maybe this I is. I feel a, like the negotiation is, is also perhaps so we don't have to take Kiev. Like right, and, and that's where I think it's either going to be we signed a peace treaty and Biden can announce it during the State of the Union, or Putin oh, punishes. I mean. I mean the, any any peace treaty that gets made, Biden's not going to like. The U.S. will not like whatever peace treaty comes out of this. Russia has literally all the cards to get the treaty they want now, which is why they did this in spite of all the reasons not to do this. I just don't see how they would sustain an, a long-term occupation. I think that's weird. And... The whole thing is eerie. It doesn't make sense. It only makes sense if you have like weird conspiracies, and I don't want to talk about that. Or if there's magic afoot. I mean, I that's all I hope in is magic. Yeah, I just hope magic's afoot. Whether it's monsters in the Black Sea or uh, some sort of alien tech, maybe, maybe that's maybe. You know, there's some alien tech but, like, involved what, in this situation. I, I think what will happen, no matter what, is a bunch of arms sales from America. Going back to the guns thing, from America to Ukraine, yeah. through Romania, through Poland, through every NATO, they are just going to arm the fucking country to the teeth, no matter what uh, happens. Adam Waffen will have a fucking RPG in 10 years. Yeah, well, there's going to be Americans who believe in the Ukrainian Nazi goals and go over there. like this. And make friends that then uh, sell them weapons back at home. Yeah. The other, the other aspect is the... Sorry, One World Trade Center, you had a good run. Well, well, see, the thing that I think, if you say, you know, if they can orchestrate the fall of a city at a certain time, that's pretty much what happened with, with Kabul. Definitely, if you give a shit, and I'm not saying anyone should, uh, maybe the State of the Union's a good thing to watch. I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm waiting for the uh, any announcement on Hollow Knight Silk Song sequel to uh, the game Hollow Knight. So you know, you wait for your Nintendo Direct, and you know maybe something gets dropped. It doesn't, but then you wait till the next thing, and uh, you look out. So yeah, State of the Union, good thing to get. New I, I could news be completely on. wrong, just like, and this is just perhaps the most wrong thing I will ever say. Uh, and it probably won't happen, and I don't expect it to happen, but I do find it weird that Russian troops are just circling cities. I mean, I think they're, they are honestly being held up. It's 
like really hard to do an invasion, Steven. Like he's trying his best. Uh, yeah, and he already has the deal he's with trying his best. Half his soldiers are getting found out because they're on grinder. Yeah. They're, I saw then, that headline. Then, I did not vet it at uh, all. Also that they and, were and trying like, to pick up Ukrainian chicks. They were like, well, yeah, anyway. we are honey. We want to have sex with you. Please. Yeah. Yes, please, we know please, how please, we please, know how East U- Europeans are. They're not like normal people, but um, <laughs> yeah. So you, you saw his speech, and he was like super, really sad about all his fake friends, and <laughs> it was just you, you felt bad for him. But anyway, <laughs> no, like, I. How can they do this to me, Evan? No, poisoned how, a soup in so long. Last point I think we can go over is what do you think this can mean for U.S. politics? Because everybody's a neoconservative. There hasn't been a single person in the U.S. government that has been, like, calling for peace. This is a real terrible time because guess what? Even friend of the show, Marianne Williamson. Yes. I was going to ask you if you saw that. I, even she is like, I stand with Ukraine. I stand with the Ukrainian people. And like said something about like not intervening is bad. And that's, you know what I mean? Like it's. Uh, yeah. And this gets into. Where even. Well, I mean, this gets into she. an interesting conundrum where it's like, you know, oh, why we were so intent on saying. Russia was lying about genocide because, you know, Russia is saying, oh, we're intervening to stop a humanitarian crisis. And I I don't know. I mean, maybe at the end of the day, we should uh, stop mythologizing that in 1936, we all had the foreknowledge and ability to stop the Holocaust if we really wanted to. And the only thing holding us up was some, like, philosophic quibble about the nature of national sovereignty and uh, maybe we should accept that uh, yeah this will always be politicized and uh, humanitarian interventions are never a politically neutral thing to make the world a better place this episode is called the Ukrainian the Russian invasion of Ukraine this episode is called this old show did not happen (laughs) Old show, an American folk song. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... Come on, aliens, man. I really need something, man. I can't... All of this is so mundane in its... uh, Horror. Yeah, like, you know, I'm a big proponent of getting real and, you know... Bad things, evil things in real life are actually often quite boring. It, it, does <laughs> so. re- it does remind me so much of like 2002 when they were ramping up the war in Iraq. And I was and, like, and, dear and, God. Oh, it's a numerology situation. And, yeah. and, Two, 2002, 2022. Yeah, mm. we're, we're in the twos. I bet, I bet somebody was supposed to blow up another thing and they just they didn't do it you gotta wait 20 years down the line for the mujahideen of ukraine to learn how to fly but not land the magic hybrid baby of osama bin laden scurried away in the dead of night is now 20 years old (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the Ukraine. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Mm. I mean, it'd be a better story than what we got going know. on. I think really what we're missing is John Mulaney's back and he's funnier than ever. <laughs> he's got a baby. He's got a baby. He's New not Lisa problematic Lord. anymore. Uh, I know. A lot, a lot of dumbasses are real mad at him for yeah. breaking up with his ex-wife. As yeah, I said, he's not problematic anymore. He's funny. He's the star of the show. He's got... He, he likes his uh, Broadway... Monkey Judge. He that likes, was a good sketch. Which one? There was one called it, Monkey Judge. Uh, it was a judge who was a monkey, but he like gave that like John Mulaney-esque, like, I'm just going to explain this to you exactly kind of thing. I am a monkey. I like to throw my own feces, that kind of shit. You know, it's a good, it was a good bit. Yeah, that was a pretty good bit. All right. Anyway, guys, oh my gosh. That was was happy. Mardi Gras. If anyone has the translation of that Ukrainian chorus song and it is about killing Jews, let me know. Because I suspect that's what it's about. All right, let us know. Denazifying the the country. Well, this is interesting. I have just been handed this, uh, something I just discovered, a 1930s recording, part of the folk song collection of the Library of Congress, and a fitting song, if I may say so, about Schumann. You know, Schumann is the military soldier who's been left behind enemy lines. Jim, could I get a word with you, please? Would you like to comment on the situation in Albania? Oh, um, well, yes, there is one thing I, I'd like to say, uh, and this is to the, um, the Albanian that have this man in custody. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, as one of your race. Unam Shiptan, Nukola Fosa Shuma Mida. I didn't know Jim Belushi was Albanian. Male or female? The Polish lady. Yeah, White House wants to.